This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, March 23rd, 2023 edition. And to celebrate our successful webinar that we had yesterday, I'm welcoming, welcoming back Luke Guerrero. Thanks Good for afternoon. being here. Good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, well, today uh, we're excited to unpack uh, as much as we can uh, about what's happening in markets. A lot going on, as, as we all know, uh, with what the Fed action yesterday, uh, what that entails. And we're going to dig into that going forward. And we have a lot of other topics to discuss as well. But all of this is to help drive you towards better decision making so that you are having the right mindset, the right tools, the right discipline in order to make good, consistent decisions with your money day after day. This is uh, an endeavor that isn't solved with one quick formula or one decision that you make. It's uh, about stacking up good decisions consistently with your portfolio, with your money management habits, uh, with your finances, etc. And we're all driving towards our goal, which is financial freedom. And the market dynamics are changing and geopolitical landscape is obviously changing as well. And all this plays into how you should position your portfolio and pitfalls, pitfalls that are different than they have been for the past 10 to 15 years. So I'm Justin Klein, along with Luke Guerrero, and I'm and we're excited for this radio show and podcast to really help you take that next step. And we're going to do that by answering your finance and investment questions and bringing our own spin to uh, relevant market topics. And we're going to give you our straight and unbiased answers as usual. Now, the phone lines are open, ready for you. 888-99-CHART is the number. So we've got a lot of material to cover today. One is in regards to what the Federal Reserve's rate hike means for your money. What is this hike impact? And you'll be surprised that some things it actually does the actual act of raising rates doesn't have much impact but what the market price is in is does have an impact but other things have a more it has a more direct uh effect on so we're going to kind of parse out uh what parts of the market this has a a positive and a negative effect uh going forward so we're going to look at that also coinbase they received their second Wells notice. If you don't know what a Wells notice is, we're going to dig into that. But very interesting, interesting to see the SEC continue to crack down on more and more operators within the crypto space. So we're going to unpack that story. Also, Germany regu regulators are warning that Europe could run out of gas next winter. So looking at this winter, they they kind of had a warm winter and skirted by and did fairly well, but. Are they always going to have that? We're going to look at uh, what the watchdog is saying over there. And then lastly, will the recent banking crisis create some sort of credit crunch that puts pressure on the Fed to pivot in a more uh, 
more concrete way. I think it's pretty clear they they signaled a pause uh, yesterday, and the markets kind of priced that in. But is a, more than a pause necessary? So we're going to look at that. But that's what's on the docket for us to discuss. But most importantly, it's about you and your calls. And we have some voice bank questions to play. One is on cows, the Pacer U.S. cash cow, 100 ETF, and Lakeland Industries, L-A-K-E. So this is all planned for this hour of Invest Talk, And of course, we're taking your live calls at 888-99-CHART. Now let's take a look at the market today. Luke, uh, we had quite the volatility. We were up early in the day and we faded near the second in the second half. Uh, what was your takeaway? Yeah, I think you you nailed it. Volatility was the word of the day. You know, you saw after the drawdown after the Fed announcement yesterday, you saw the market kind of rising towards the beginning of the day and then and then dropping off and really towards the end of the day when when uh, Secretary Yellen revised her statement about the lengths to which the US government would go to help out ailing banks you saw you saw a little bit of a rally towards the close. Yeah, and I think uh, the market's still kind of parsing out exactly what Fed policy going forward will look like. Uh there it was kind of left open to a large degree of what they might do going forward. Uh, uh, but this is the first time they've really indicated that they may pause. I think there was a lot of speculation over the past three to four months that, hey, this might be the last rate hike. And they continued on until something broke. And now that the regional banking market broke, uh, there's now this period where, okay, how long are they going to pause? When is the actual next Fed rate cut? Uh, because when they pause, they usually don't resume raising again. Uh, and so the question will be, do they cut at the end, at near the end of this year? Is it next year, et cetera? And there's a lot of volatility around that. And, and I don't think we're going to know because we don't know. And, and that's what the, uh, Jerome Powell said uh, yesterday was they don't know the, the large impact that this will have on the economy as a whole. Because as uh, we talked about ye- yesterday or the day before, that these regional banks are big lenders to the real economy. So how how much will they tighten their lending uh, overall, and how will that impact the the, econo- the economy over the next three to six months? That's still TBD. So I expect some volatility until we get uh, some clarity on that front. So let's uh, let's head over to. Are we going to our first break? Are we going to our first live call? Oh, we're going to our first voicemail. All right. We, this came in on 8899 chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. I wanted your opinion on ticker symbol DMB. It's a Bank of New York Mellon Municipal Bond Infrastructure Fund. I was looking at it for taxable portfolio. Again, the ticker symbol is DMB. Thank you. All right, this is the BNY Mellon Muni Bond Infrastructure Fund, and this is a levered bond fund. It's levered, means that if you look at the, the leverage it has on this fund, it's about 36%. So that's how you're getting uh, that 4.4% distribution rate, which doesn't sound high to everybody else. Remember, this is a muni bond fund. So it looks like the, the vast majority of this income is tax-free. And the first thing I always say with munis is, it really only makes sense for those that are in super high tax brackets, right? Because those that are, they're the ones that are driving down the prices or driving up the prices, excuse me, and the yields down to a point where it makes more sense for them. If you're in a middling to low tax bracket, 
usually muni funds aren't aren't that great. Um, but what do you think? Like, do you think this is uh, if, you, if she is in a high tax bracket? Do you think this is a good fund to own? Yeah, you know, it, it's projected yield. It looks like is four point seven six percent, which mm-hmm. is not bad for a fund of this size and where it's targeting. Um, Year to date performance three point one four percent. Yeah, see, I wonder about the duration risk yeah. here. There's not a whole lot of credit risk. They're they're not taking. They're, they're kind of in the triple B, single A, double A area, so they're not taking a whole lot of credit risk. I'm not getting much data on the duration. Do you, do you have any data on the duration? No, I'm not seeing anything about the individual holdings either. Okay, let me see here if I have some other. Okay, effective duration. All right, so it looks fairly intermediate. So uh, not too bad, but the problem is, is that it's leveraged. So uh, Morningstar gives it three out of five stars, so a fairly average. Um, you know, it's okay, but once again, you need to be in the highest tax bracket for this to really make sense. Otherwise, you're going to get a, a higher tax uh, adjusted yield in probably a quality corporate bond fund. So um, I don't like the leverage, and it's only really for uh, that select slice of very high tax bracket individuals. Now, you probably noticed that Steve and I are excited to reach the 50 million podcast download number. To celebrate, we are giving away 50 free subscriptions to the KPP Premium Newsletter. And we just picked our fourth set of 10 this week. And our last week for it will be next week. So if you want to sign up, all you have to do is head over to our social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and like and tag three friends on our 50 for 50 million post. And maybe you could win. A $199 value, which is a one-year free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Now, we're going into a short break, so hang on, or even better, give us a call on a best stock, 888-99-CHART. Thank you, and I hope to be the 50 millionth download of your incredible show. It is official. As of February 21st, an exciting new InvestTalk milestone was achieved. The InvestTalk podcast exceeded 50 million downloads. How do you guys determine a value stock? 50 million. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. Hey guys, this is Josh from South Carolina. I'm a long-time listener. 24-7, rain or shine, on tough market days or during brighter moments. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to answer your questions. Our now preferred share is kind of a hybrid asset. It's part of the capital structure. You want to buy this what's on sale, and when it gets on sale, it's about $16 a share. $50 million. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Now, our focus point today looks into the story behind this question. What could the Federal Reserve's rate hike mean for your money? And this is the ninth consecutive increase over the last year on the Fed funds rate. And the impact this has is uh, tends to be wide-ranging, some more direct, some more indirect. Now, consumers tend to pay more to borrow while uh, while inflation has been been hot, and that's been cooling the economy as a whole. 
And it has an influence on many types of consumer borrowing costs, either once again, directly or indirectly. Uh, number one would be credit cards and the average annual percentage rate for credit cards is now over 20%. That's up from 16.3% a year ago. And this is all based on the prime rate. When the Fed raises rates, the prime rate goes up and credit card rates certainly follow suit. And then there's home loans. This one's a little different. If you're going to get a new mortgage, this recent announcement is actually good for you. It sounds odd, right? But the 10-year over the past two days has dropped, what, 20 basis points, Luke? Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to more directly impact mortgage rates. Mortgage rates are actually falling over the past couple of, uh, of, of days. However, more uh, different types of loans on real estate like home equity line, lines of credit and arms, adjust rate mortgages, they are tied to the prime rate. Now, arms adjust once a year after their initial fixed rate period, where HELOCs adjust pretty much right away. And the average rate for a HELOC is up to seven and three quarters percent. Wow. It's up from under 4% a year ago. Wow. Yeah. Remember, those are, are typically interest only for the first five years, and then they start to, you have to, you have to amortize it. And that becomes a big issue for people that think that they're locked into this low interest only uh, monthly payment. And then suddenly that that has to amortize in their payment. And then you have uh, the double whammy of higher rates and it gets uh, it gets in trouble rather quickly. That's where you got a lot of foreclosures back in, in, in 08. And then car loans. Uh, car loans are now on average up to six and a half percent, up from four percent one year ago. And then student loans. Student loans are up to about 5% from 3.73% last year. And if you are getting a, rate, uh, a loan that's funding after July 1st, it's going to go up again because that's tied to LIBOR uh, and uh, T-bill rates and, and also the prime rate as well, depending on which, which one you get. Now, the positive is that your typical savings account or high-yield savings account uh, uh, is going to go up most likely. And uh, bankrate.com says that there's a lot of high yield savings accounts now as high as over four over five percent so that's could be a trigger for more bank runs potentially could be uh you know people are trying to find yield wherever they can get it and if you're getting 35 basis points on your on your savings account with the bank and you can get five percent elsewhere why would you stay yeah I, and i think this was this recent banking crisis is an impetus for a lot of people to look at that right that saying oh should I keep my money in this bank? What are they What are they paying me? Oh, 25 basis points, 30 basis points. Oh, I can go in a high-yield savings account at Marcus or, or uh, you know, a lot of the other ones out there that are, are still FDIC insured and get 45 5%. Uh, that, that means that, you know, this is, a, this is kind of a call to those people to, to maybe think about uh, doing that. And this rate hike is going to put the pressure on, the, I think, the banks even more in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And it just goes to show, I think a lot of people think of the Fed as this ethereal, amorphous concept, but really what they're doing has a, has a big effect on your life on a daily basis. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and this is how they affect the economy, right? This is their, their blunt tool. It's a blunt tool. And it can help the economy, or parts of the economy, if you are a borrower, which you know, our economy kind of runs on, on borrowing. Uh, then this hurts. If you're a saver, though, this should help, right? So there's kind of two sides of the coins and, and coin. And guess what? There's a lot of sa there's a lot of people that have savings, like boomers out there, retiring uh, and investing in fixed in income securities. And and for those people, it probably helps them, right? Absolutely. All right, we're going into a break. My phone lines are open, ready for you. Give us a call now on Invest Talk at eight 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 ninety nine chart. 
Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. Justin Klein is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Randy in Tampa, Florida. Thank you for all you do. Been a longtime listener, recommended to a lot of people. I wanted to see what your thoughts are on ticker symbol COWZ cows. It's an ETF, uh, free cash flow ETF. Very focused on that right now based on all your recommendations and foreseeing it as a good potential play. So just want to get your opinion on it. Thank you so much for all you do. Look forward to hearing my uh, question on the program. Bye-bye. Are you looking at cows, C-O-W-Z? No, this is not an agricultural ETF. This is the Pacer U.S. Cash Cow 100 ETF. And Luke, what what does that mean? What are they tracking uh, with this ETF? So cows is taking a look at the Russell 1000, Mm -hmm. and they're investing in the top 100 names in that index based upon free cash flow. Okay. So it's it's a prof filter, kind of like we talked about yesterday with uh, in the webinar. There are different ways to kind of slice and dice uh, different value value metrics and profitability is one of them. And cash flow is a, a good metric of profitability. So this is just showing, I'm assuming, uh, the highest 100 free cash flow yields. Is that what it is? Yes. Got it. Okay. So and if you look at the general style boxes, the Morningstar style boxes, it kind of sits a little bit up in the, the the mid cap value, close to large cap, but uh, it's it's expense ratio is about 0.49%. Uh, do you think that's a little high for following this index? seems a little high to me to track an index that's primarily U.S. large and mid-caps. Yeah, but what it, but it, the performance is pretty good. Performance is very good. So yeah. it looks like from 1991 until 2022, the annualized average return was 16.27% versus just under 10% for the Russell 1000. There you go. So... Clearly, this is a good example of a profitability screen like cash flow adding value to a portfolio strategy. Absolutely. It seems to me it's it makes perfect sense from a sensibility perspective. If yeah, a company's right. generating cash flows, they're probably going to do well in the future. Yeah, and it's what you talked about yesterday, which is this has to has to make some sort of economic sense, which that does, right? And so it's not a shock here. And if you look at the sector breakdown, I think that's what's most interesting. You know, it's biggest waiting right now, 35% energy. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy. It means a lot of those energy companies are producing a ton of cash flow. The second highest would be healthcare. Mm-hmm. Okay. The third highest is basic materials, 13.3%, where the broad index is only about 5% in basic materials. So a lot of commodity companies doing well also. And then you have consumer cyclicals at 10 and everything else is, is below uh, 10%. Interesting enough, you know, at zero financials. Hmm. I thought that was a uh, pretty interesting technology, only 8% of this index. So uh, overall, I'm going to give this a thumbs up. Now, uh, could you make your own? That's do that's probably better. Yes, you probably could. But kind of a set it, forget it type of value strategy that uh, focuses the most on profitability of all the valuation metrics. Uh, I think this is a pretty good one. And this uh, kind of backs up what I was saying yesterday. If I'm looking at uh, prof versus ratio analysis. I'm picking companies that have good profitability because, like you said, those are companies that uh, are producing value for shareholders. So, 
All right, let's pivot over to a very different type of company, and <laughs> that would be Coinbase. And after hours yesterday, Coinbase was down dramatically. What did it end down today? Let's see. Coin was down, where are we? 11.5% today? Okay. So this was all because of the SEC serving them a Wells notice which warns the company that they may face legal action. And that's the second Wells notice that they've received, what, over the past year, year and a half or so? Uh, 2021 was the last Wells notice they received when they wanted to create a structured product that had to do with lending. And the SEC said, no, nah, don't do that or we will sue you. Yeah. And now this is, they're looking at Coinbase's crypto staking business, as well as an investment and custody services as part of its spot trading business. And the company confirmed this. And so this is the just the next step that the SEC has taken to rein in the crypto space. And, and this is clearly what Gary Gensler, the head of the uh, SEC, is focused on. He's the chair uh, of the SEC. And they're taking a very tough stance on this industry, uh, especially in companies that are non-compliant with the securities laws. And, and, and they're classifying all of these things as securities and bringing them under their regulatory purview. Uh, what do you think this says about the crypto space uh, as a whole? Well, I think that this is really tied to Silicon Valley Bank and Silvergate, if you think about it. When you have some sort of crisis uh, or potential crisis with respect to liquidity and contagion proliferating through the market, people are concerned uh, about what the real threats are. And people are concerned that uh, doing business with these types of companies and the danger that they that they have for the traditional markets could really become a big issue. So I think that's really why the SEC has started to take a look and say, how should we deal this from a regulatory frame, framework? Yeah, because it's having a real impact on the broader financial system. Yeah. Right, because it's gotten so big. This isn't uh, a little opaque market anymore. Uh, it's, it's not tiny, right? The, yeah. It's and, talking billions and billions of dollars. And with zero interest rates, it kind of doesn't matter. But we're moving on from that. Yeah, we're moving on from that. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, it's pretty interesting here. And it says that to the analysts say that about 35% of their net revenue is potentially at risk, depending on uh, their SEC action. But this is very similar to what they did with Kraken last month, where uh, they agreed a $30 million settlement and ended its staking business. And I think that's probably what's going to happen here, right? Probably. Yeah, exactly. Now let's keep things moving and pivot back to the Best Stock Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from California. Oh, actually, no, we're heading into a break. So we're ready for your calls right now at 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, 
then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E. Dot com, HackerOne.com Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk 888-99-CHART Hi Justin or Steve. Uh, love the show. This is Alan calling from Hayward, California. I just wanted to know if you think Lakeland Industries is a good investment. Would you consider it a growth or value stock and why? They produce protective work gear for firefighters, electricians, etc. They had an abnormally huge spike in sales in 2021, which I'm assuming was due to COVID. Yeah, I just want to know what you think. Um, that's Larry, Apple, Kelly, Edward. Thank you. Bye. All right, this is Lakeland Industries, and he's correct. They manufacture safety garments and accessories for the industrial and uh, protective clothing markets worldwide. And as you would imagine, during a pandemic, their business boomed. They made 18 cents a share in 2019, 41 cents a share in 2020, and in 2021 made $4.34 a share. Now that's kind of come back down to earth. Last year made $1.43, expect to make only 56 cents a share this year, and then back up to $1.13 next year. I think that's a bit of a pie in the sky idea that they're going to continue to, to you know bounce back that strongly next year. But what's interesting about this name is that it's very small, $104 million market cap. But they've taken all of that business that they in cash flow they produced during the pandemic, they paid down debt, they had a what, $20 million in debt 
as a, well, let's call it $13 million net debt as in 2016. Now they have zero and they've had zero for a while. And this looks very cheap, right, Luke, on a multiple basis? It does. It look does look very cheap. I mean, it's price to book is 0.83 compared to the sector average of 4.84. So I'd definitely put this in the value camp. Yeah. It's it's definitely a cheap name, but now you have free cash flow for going based on that. Remember that last call, the cash cows. This has free cash flow over the last twelve months. That's now negative six and a half million dollars negative. Mm. And I think that's the issue here: is are they going to get back to some semblance of reasonable profitability and cash flow, or are they going to now just eat away at that cash that they've accumulated over the past three years? That's the question. What do you think? Do you think it's worth the risk because it's so cheap? I mean, it is very cheap. There's a lot of room for it to grow. It had an opportunity to pay down a lot of its debt. It's a small name. Uh, if it were me personally, I would consider putting it in my portfolio, but definitely at a small weight. You got to keep in mind how small this company is. And there is certainly a lot of risk there with any small caps or micro caps you're investing in. Yeah. And just looking back at the history of the business there, it's very up and down. Even before the pandemic, their return equity was vacillating kind of in the in the flat range. You know, there were some years, 2015, where it got up into the high teens, low 20s, which was nice. But, you know, those are more of a flash in the pan. So, yeah, in a name like this, it is cheap, but you have to be cognizant that long-term, the profitability just really isn't there. Now, let's keep things moving and play two questions in a row. This one came in earlier from a listener in Minnesota. Hey, guys, this is Jordan from Minnesota. I'm just calling to get your thoughts on Amazon. I'm just wondering... If this is something that I can put some money into and hold it for 20 plus years and we'll do pretty well on. Thanks. Well, this is an interesting one. Uh, I, I see Amazon as the business that was that benefited the most from globalization. The free flow of information, the free flow of products around the globe, uh, importing things from the rest of the world and delivering it in two days to almost anyone's home, uh, especially here in, in America. And now a lot of that's reversing, right? Labor is getting more expensive, transportation is getting more expensive, and the products are getting more expensive. And that has impacted their earnings in a big, big way. They lost 27 cents a share last year. So let's make a $1.69 this year, two eighteen next year, and it's trading at $100 per share. So forward-looking earnings 50 times. It's a bit expensive uh, for my liking. What do you think, Luke? Do you think this is going to have the same success over the next 10 years that it did over the last 10? No, I agree with you. I think you have to think about the overarching theme of what's going to be happening from a macro perspective. And, and you've nailed it when you talk about deglobalization. And this is a company that has benefited from it greatly. So I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, and, and the good thing about it is it doesn't have any, much debt. So it's, and it has positive, uh, well, actually, now it has negative free cash flow, negative 17 yep. billion. That's that's pretty interesting. And if you look at their multiples, price the book seven times, right? Yeah. That's not cheap. It's not cheap. Enterprise value EBIT 26 times, also not cheap. So, and the technicals are poor. You can't really argue that anything else. The, so return on equity is a negative 1.91%. Yeah. And this continues to make a series of lower highs and lower lows. So of the Fang names, I, I think if the if, if you're in the if you're in the belief that it isn't deglobalization, that what's happening that the meeting with China and Russia what yesterday, yeah, it isn't a microcosm of a broader trend of a, uh, a more multipolar world. 
If you don't believe that, then Amazon will probably be fine. But if you believe that we're going to become more regionalized, the cost of transportation and uh, the cost uh, to employ people to deliver goods uh, like Amazon does, to work in the warehouses, et cetera, all of those headwinds are headed the other way uh, in our mind. Now, you may disagree with that, and then Amazon would be good. But in our mind, it's a no-go for me. All right, let's touch a bit on the recent warning from German regulators. And what's interesting here, this is from Berlin's Energy Watchdog, and they warn that companies and households will continue to need to cut gas usage between now and next winter. Now, we talked about the European economy got kind of lucky that this was a relatively warm winter over there. I know here in Southern California, it's been a cold one, a very wet Cold one. and wet. Yeah. But that's less important to the global energy markets than what's happening over in Europe. And Klaus Mueller, the head of the federal aid, uh, network agency, said Germany's power crisis isn't over. And a lot depends on whether they'll get another warm or cold winter next year. And they're talking about China's economic recovery accelerating more quickly than they had predicted. And that means higher demand for gas. We talked about it. China imports 80% of their energy. And they say that the winter of 2023 and 24 will be the first Germany has experienced without any Russian pipeline gas at all. And LNG, liquefied natural gas export capacity, isn't expected to increase. It takes five plus years to get an LNG facility up and running. And so right now, they're all running across the globe at max capacity to export to those uh, those areas that, that need it, like Europe, right? So uh, it's pretty interesting to see that they're, they're not over, they're not getting overconfident over one winter. And they say next winter being risky. So uh, I think this is an interesting message, uh, despite the fact that natural gas prices have pulled back pretty dramatically. Uh, they're, they, they don't see that us out of the woods, you know? So um, before the invasion, 55% of Germany's gas came out of Russia. And obviously that's, uh, that's disappeared. And Nord Stream 2, that's gone. Right, that's not coming back online anytime soon. And is that is that done for good? They say that they they could never bring that back online. You think? I'm not sure if they can't bring it back, but I certainly don't see them bringing it back to deal with this crisis. Yeah, exactly. And the decline in Russian imports pushed the cost of gas to about 300 euros per megawatt hour last summer, and that was at 20 euros per megawatt hour before the war. So you can see how Badly, this war has impacted their economy. There's a lot of industries that are no longer viable in Germany. And that was a big part of the European economy was cheap energy produced in uh, coming from Russia into Germany, produced cheaply to make end products. Uh, and that a lot of those companies are moving production back here to the U.S., yeah, you know, overall, this is just a lesson and not just how to operate, you know, uh, as a government, but as a business, you have to diversify your supply chains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we talked about yesterday on the, the webinar is that the, the, the number of permits that are being pulled for new manufacturing facilities in the US is is mooning in the crypto uh, <laughs> vernacular. Keep that theme. Keep that theme. And uh, I think this is only going to continue. And it's just showing that, yeah, they got away with one winter. But that doesn't mean that they're going to continue to get away with it uh, because th that energy is going to have to go 
come from somewhere. And, you know, uh, maybe they need to fire up some nuclear plants. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not going to get it from Russia. And uh, China is definitely going to soak up a lot of that demand, exactly. a lot of that supply. Yeah. Well, I know Steve and I have been telling you for a while that we are in a new market environment, new market regime, a new cycle. And that means you need to adjust your thinking. And that was part of what the webinar was yesterday, how to think about developing strategies that are effective in this market. That uh, if you look back 100 years, right, we looked at that, right? We said it was a chart. Most interesting to me was going long value and short growth over the last 100 years was 30 times more profitable. It sounds crazy, yeah. but it was 30 times more profitable. And that means these last call it 15 years since the financial crisis, have been more of an anomaly. And what you've seen in the last, I would say, year, year and a half, have been more uh, aligned with the long-term averages and the long-term trends of value companies beating growth. And so are you prepared? Is retirement day near or it's, is it far? Either way, it's irrelevant. You need to ride the major cycles and this major cycle change. So if you need help, Understanding whether you are prepared, whether your strategy, your portfolio aligns with your goals and your risk tolerance levels, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our company, KPP Financial, located in Irvine, California, which is just south of LA. And it's where we practice parallel investing. We invest right alongside our clients. So take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. Just head over to investtalk.com and click on the button on the top right that says portfolio review. Now, next up, we'll take another listener question. So hang on. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. InvestTalk is a free download, 24-7, rain or shine. The InvestTalk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Uh, hello, uh, this question is for Justin. I'm just wondering what you think about Roblox, RBLX. Um, I was always impressed by the large number of users it has, young users, and thinking that might turn into, they turn older and they use it even more and they have, their kids use it or whatever. I was just wondering whether you think it's time to sell it. Thanks, bye. Uh, this is Roblox Corp. Uh, Luke, let's talk about this very popular platform and whether the end demand is turning into end profits. What do you think? Well, I can tell you that the return on equity is minus 207%. That is not fantastic. That is not good. Is I can tell fantastic. you that the price to book is an astounding 83.19. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, this is the epitome of an expensive stock. And... This is the perfect example of a, a company that is only focusing on the top line and not the bottom line. And I call this Ponzi-like in a way. Ponzi-adjacent. Ponzi-adjacent, sure. shall we call it? Shares outstanding continue to moon higher, shall we say? They had uh, about, let's see, when they went public, they had 534 million shares outstanding. That was just in the beginning of 2021. Now they have 605 million shares outstanding. To continue to issue shares to fund this negative free cash flow. And this is, I use, always use the analogy. If anyone sat 
on the corner and said, I'm giving away dollars for 90 cents, there would be miles, right? There would be a line for miles. And it looked like there's a lot of demand, right? For whatever that person was selling. But is that sustainable? Absolutely not. And this is the perfect example of that. So while I, I know plenty of uh, kids that play Roblox, are they able to monetize it in a significant way that's profitable? So far, not at all. Uh, despite the fact that revenue continues to go up. But now revenue is flattened out as well. So you're not even getting revenue growth. The last quarter, revenues were up 2% year over year. 2%. You know, this seems to me like another company that benefited greatly from nobody being able to go outside for over a year. Including and a half. kids who were. Including children. Th that were also not in school. Yep. Right? So uh, th this is, looks like a fantastic short to me. It does. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we're going to move on from there. Uh, what are we going to go to? I think uh, after the break, we're going to touch a bit on the, the Fed's conundrum. They're in a bit of a conundrum, aren't they, Luke? I would say so. Yeah. Trying to fight inflation and uh, not continue a banking crisis, no matter how small a banking crisis is, uh, it still gives some headaches. And I think what's most important here is that they are seeing yield spreads widen out in the corporate space. And they call him P. Powell, private equity Powell. Jerome Powell used to work in private equity. So he understands the credit markets very, very well because that's what private equity relies so heavily on, which are the debt markets. And what you've seen over the past call it two weeks is finally the debt market uh, yields or the credit, the, the, the what are called option adjusted spreads in the, the corporate credit markets are widening out. And that's the first sign that things are kind of falling apart uh, within the credit markets. And that's, I think, why he's pivoting. If they were holding together, I think you would continue to hint at more rate hikes, right? I agree because, you know, if you think about it, what he was trying to do was stimulate a credit crunch. And what they ended up getting was one that he's not so much in control of anymore. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough one. They haven't really had to deal with it, right? They, they, they have, they're typically focused on credit risk. And they took their eye off the ball of duration risk. And so did Silicon Valley Bank, obviously, and, and some of the others within the space. Um, so I think, I don't want to say it, it caught him out of left field. Uh, to a UK regulator, I don't know if you know that, uh, warned the Fed about. Silicon I saw Valley that Bank. today. Yeah. So some people were looking at it, just not the Fed. But we're going to talk about this a little bit more after the break. So we're heading into our final break right now. We're ready for your calls at 888-99-CHART. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to take on your finance and investment questions. Call Investar 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, we talked a bit about how the Fed is has kind of hit their their breaking point and how the the recent trends uh, with the banking crisis are doing what they were. They were they were hoping to uh, that, that rate hikes themselves would do more directly, um, and now it seems like this is going to be more an indirect uh, impact on the broader economy. And it's pretty clear now, uh, and that conclusion after uh, 
Powell spoke was that he even considered taking a pause at this meeting, but they did not. And I think that's a clear indication that uh, the Fed sees financial conditions tightening pretty extensively, and they don't want to see a bank run in, dis in a disorder disorderly way. So uh, I think this is a, a, a clear indication for me that the Fed is pivoted uh, more directly and the next move will be rate cuts. Now let's talk about. Let's go talk to Jake in New York. He's looking at CrowdStrike. Hey, Justin, uh, longtime listener. Congrats on the uh, the milestone for downloads, by the way. Appreciate it. Uh, question on uh, CrowdStrike. I've been looking into some cybersecurity companies that seems like a sector that could be uh, pretty important um, and have some good growth over the next five years. Uh, and CrowdStrike came up as an option that looks pretty depressed right now in terms of uh, pricing. You say it's looking depressed. In what way do you see it being depressed? Uh, just off of highs. I mean, a lot of tech companies are off their highs, but comparing that to Palo Alto Networks, for example, which is um, doesn't seem uh, as fairly valued. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I would never, I would never go on. Oh, this is down X percent from its highs. Uh, that's typically not a good way to to look at uh, an opportunity or not, because the with that highs, those highs could have been egregiously overpriced. Uh, and it's just maybe less egregiously overpriced now. And to me, that's what it seems like here, right, Luke? Yeah, I agree. If, you, if you're if you taking a look at its its uh, valuation multiples, it's, it's price to sales is 14, which is <laughs> almost three times that of the sector average. Um, and you really see that in, in where the price has been trending recently downward. Yeah, and I, I've always said any stock that's trading at 10x sales, it's very rare, very rare for a company to be able to grow into that valuation multiple. And you're up 14 times now. Now let's come down, right? It used to be, it used to trade at closer to 65 times sales <laughs> back in early 2021. Uh, but 16, it looks cheap comparatively, or sorry, 14 times looks cheap comparatively, but still very, very expensive. Now the positive here is they have a lot of cash in their balance sheet. Uh, they're, they don't have a lot of debt. Uh, but their multiples continue to just be egregiously high. Now, they're growing consistently, but that growth is also coming down. 48% year-over-year growth last quarter, but that's down from 70% in the middle of 2021. And earnings are up 57% year-over-year last quarter. That's down from 400% in the second quarter of 2021. So it's decelerated pretty dramatically. Just a law of large numbers here. It's supposed to make $2, and let's call it $3 per share next year. It's $134 stock. The technicals look pretty pretty horrendous, actually. You know they've they've uh, they've rallied here uh, as growth stocks have, have rallied over the past uh, two months or so, but it still remains below all the major moving averages, making a series of lower highs and lower lows. And I think this is starting to become a good short candidate in my mind, right? Yeah, it could be. And that's not to say that it's not a good company. I yeah. mean, I think your intuition is correct when you're looking at how cybersecurity firms are gonna gonna do well going forward, mm -hmm. um, but. I don't see this as a buy at the moment. Yeah, I think the whole sector got a little overheated uh, and it's uh, on the path to correcting itself. But I think we're still probably in the third or fourth inning of that corrective phase. Uh, and CrowdStrike is just going down along with uh, the whole the whole space. Uh, some are going to contract faster than others. Uh, and that's just the, the nature of the beast here. Uh, but what you, you need to do is wait for this to bottom out uh, because the trend in the fundamentals continue to be lower, or sorry, the technicals continue to go lower, and the multiples are just uh, not not low enough 
uh, for me to to jump in and really not close, to be honest with you. So I think it needs to go down at least another 50% before I'm interested. This is what we call mean reversion. Yes, it's in the process of mean reverting in a big way. All right. I'm Justin Klein with Luke Guerrero, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Remember to follow Invest Talk on social media platforms like Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, and like and tag three friends on our 50 for 50 million posts, and you might win a free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.